please pray with me. God, we do trust that you have spoken. Lord, that this scene that has happened, that has been recorded faithfully, Lord, is, is to teach us about you, Lord. So I pray for your grace this morning, the, the power of your spirit, Lord, that would move in our hearts and minds, that we would desire Christ more as we as we see him interact with people, as we know his love is everlasting, never-ending, and that he alone has the power to cleanse. He alone can never be made unclean. And Lord, he alone can see into the depths of our hearts to know what it is that would separate us from him, what would get us off the path to life, what, Lord, would lead us astray? So, God, I pray that we would listen intently, Lord, and ask that you, Holy Father, would illuminate our minds by the power of your Spirit, that there would be transformation, God, and that, Lord, we would trust you for those things. For we surrender these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. How is everybody this morning? I know there's lots of people sick these days. Maybe a few of you sick this morning in here. Sickness and uh, pain are, are a good indicator, I think, of our uh, vulnerability in this life and uh, our need for God, our need for God's grace. Well, what is your greatest need right now? What is your greatest want? If that need or want was truly met, would you be truly happy? How long do you think that happiness might last? Maybe some of you think, if God would just do this certain miracle in my life, then I would truly be happy. I would truly believe in Him and follow Him. You see, if I were there when Jesus was doing these miracles, it would be so easy to believe, right? So easy to have faith and to follow Him. Everybody knows that seeing produces believing, right? Does it? In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus announces this good news, demonstrates it by His power. And yet many have a hard time believing. When He says hard things, people begin to turn away and say, wait a minute, I like this miracle stuff. I like you doing things for me that I need know to be done. But don't go poking around in other areas of my life. But will you put your faith in King Jesus today, knowing that He isn't just the King, although He is the King, He is also prophet and priest, the ultimate. 
Will you make Him the treasure of your heart? Will you believe that only He can satisfy the deepest need within you? So let me share with you what I've learned from these two stories that we're going to look at this morning. About sin, about faith. And about what we need to set us free, to cleanse us truly, and to give us life, life to the full. First Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45, and the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. And he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. What is leprosy? You might know that it is a chronic, infectious, incurable disease characterized by sores and scabs and white shining spots beneath the skin. And it could only be cured by a miracle. So imagine the scene. Somehow this leper comes up to Jesus, right? I try, I'm trying to imagine that in my own mind because lepers... They just didn't hang out with everybody. They, when they came close to anybody, they'd have to yell out, unclean, unclean. And people would look and, oh, get away from that guy, you know. And they had their own little colonies, you know, they were set out from the town. So I don't know, somehow this guy snuck in, right, because they had all these wrappings all around. I don't know. Anybody seen the Ten Commandments? They had the picture, they had the lepers on there. And... Uh, so I don't know how this guy got here. The text says that somehow he got close. And he walked up, and but I'm pretty sure that when he did, people were like, they scattered. They got out of the way. And uh, Jesus, of course, he comes. He's there with him. He kneels, the leper kneels before him, and he says, the leper says, if you will, you can make me clean. And I think he understood that he didn't have a right to that healing. But he was bold enough to come to Jesus. He was bold enough to, to know that it is possible for him to be clean and to come to Christ. And of course, Jesus does a remarkable thing. He doesn't just heal him. He doesn't just say you're healed. He touches him. It was probably a long time since this guy had been touched. And Jesus... Of course, he has pity on him, it says. He has compassion. Compassion is when you see the pain in someone and, and you do something about it. You don't just feel sorry for them. You meet that need that they have in their lives. You reach out to them. So it is a big deal that he got touched by Christ. In the first century, nobody dared touch a leper. Least of all, a holy man, a rabbi like. Jesus. Most people who came in contact with 
An unclean person, of course, themselves would be unclean. But not Jesus. There's no amount of uncleanness in anyone, in any one of us, or in this leper that could ever make the true king unclean. In fact, the exact opposite happens. He becomes clean. Of course, Jesus tells them, don't announce this to anyone. Go to the priests, right? Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He tells this guy to go and and show himself, do what the law requires, but he disobeys Jesus and tells everyone. And as a result, The Bible says here that, again, it's hard for him to go anywhere because the crowds are gathering. Large crowds are are coming in. And it's hard for him to get around. And as we said before, Jesus isn't interested in the crowds. What he is interested in is those who really desire truth, life, repentance in their lives. He's on a mission to preach the gospel. And the healings like this one give proof that his preaching is true, that it has power, that it is truly good news to set us free. The physical healing is is able to show us the power that Christ has to come in and give healing from within. Let me say a couple of things about this encounter before we move on to the next. Some have looked at this story of the leper and compared the leprosy to what sin is like in our lives. Sin is chronic. It is infectious. It is incurable. And if you think that anything less than a miracle can take it away, if you think that somehow you can work and show God that these sins have been made up for in your life, then you are deceived. That only a miracle can take that sin away. Only continual repentance can cleanse you from your sin. The second thing is, I think this leper probably thought, now now my life is going to be wonderful, right? This is the worst thing that could ever happen to you is to have leprosy. Now it's gone. There's nothing in the world I have to worry about now, right? Anything's better than being a leper. Is that true? Are there worse things than being a leper? I think there are. And I think that leper found out later. Let's move to the next story. Mark 2, 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching a word to them and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the the roof from above. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. 
And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now some, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they had questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, say, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. As many others, I think that that first picture of the leper was a great picture of sin. But this story here goes beyond that sin to show a great picture of faith. And the ability of Jesus to see past the obvious physical need, the problem there, to see the deeper issue in this man and what he was facing. Now, Jesus did have this compassion on this first man, but he didn't mention his sin. Why not? Well, it could be that the severity of that sin of that man could have blinded him to his deeper need. Could have blinded him to that. Right here he has this horrendous disease. But yet does he see there's a deeper need? Again, I would say that he, he would see that need maybe more clearly later on down the road. So these men, they lowered Jesus down. And Jesus commends them for their faith, right? Here's a, here's a display of how we come alongside people and, and help them in their time of need. I think of, of even those who aren't believers. We, we have this ability to pray for them. You look at Abraham and you, and you see where God says, because of Abraham, God saved Lot. He didn't save Lot for his own sake. He saved him because of the, the prayers of Abraham for Lot. Lot was rescued. I was just reading in Job. Uh, I'm in that section right now as I read through the scripture for the year where Job himself, you know, has this great um, horrible situation that he's in. And, and finally he's vindicated at the end by God. And, and God tells those guys to repent of what they did and, and that Job is going to pray for them and, and he'll listen to Job's prayer for them. And they'll be forgiven. So these, these guys lowering this man down have great faith and want to help him, want to be there with him through this. And Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Why? God does not forgive sin unless that person is repentant. So why is he giving forgiveness here? Well, it seems as though 
from the context here, Jesus knows exactly what's going on in the hearts of these men, the scribes, right? Those who are the teachers, the, the religious elite of that day. So I would think he knows exactly what's going on in this guy's heart too. That he could see his, that this man himself could, could know his need for repentance. That this man knew he had a greater need for a greater healing first. And he receives that greater healing from Christ. Son, your sins are forgiven. I think because he realized, again, there was a deeper need even than to be able to walk. You know, maybe he thought in his head, you know, hey, I'm not worthy for my friends to go through all this trouble. To bring me in front of Christ. I'm a sinner. Who am I to bring, be brought by my friends down through the roof and laid before Christ? Your sins are forgiven, Jesus says. Now the scribes weren't too happy about what Jesus had to say, right? This is irreverent. How can you speak like that? Only God can forgive sin. Jesus, to their knowledge, he isn't a priest, right? He hasn't performed the uh, sacrifices for forgiveness at the temple. None of these things have been done. How can you just pronounce this on this man? Of course, the scribes didn't realize that someone greater than the temple was before them. A greater priest was before them. A greater prophet than has ever been known stands before them. And Jesus says, well, then which is easier? To say, take up your bed and walk, or to say, your sins are forgiven. Which one is easier? Well, the more difficult would, would seem to be to say, take up your bed and walk, right? At least, at least it would be the more difficult one to prove. And some would say, even now, the shadow of the cross is cast. Because for Christ, it was going to be extremely difficult to say your sins are forgiven. But he was going to make it possible. I think Jesus here is making an unmistakable claim to deity. Right? His Son of Man reference comes from Daniel chapter 7. Thirteen and fourteen, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. This is the king who's come. This is why the announcement is good news. For this king has absolute power, ultimate power, 
Jesus is the one who's been given ultimate authority and power to say, your sins are forgiven you. And to look into the depths of your heart and to know the need that is there and to desire to fulfill it. Now let's get personal for a moment. Do you recognize your deepest need? Maybe you think it's to get your spouse to love you more or, or maybe to get a certain job or, or maybe make your future a certain way. Solve your problems. See, all of us do have a form of spiritual leprosy. It's called sin. Again, it's chronic. It's infectious. It's incurable. And nothing short of a miracle can cure it. If we think that something can, we are being deceived. It's so easy to be deceived. I was listening to a message the other day where the title of the message was, Whatever Happened to Sin? And this guy talked about a, a conference uh, that he went to, and this guy came up to him and was speaking to him about the troubles he was having in his marriage, and that his, his theology was a little different than his wife's, and, and how they would argue about things, and that maybe he, he kind of felt like you know, he had uh, the right to divorce her and, and move on because of uh, 1 Corinthians 7, right, that talks there about an unbelieving wife, that, that uh, here are some of the things that, that allow you to leave her. But he was really confused about it because it seemed like his wife was actually a believer. And so he said, what kind of things do you, do you guys argue about? You know, what, what are the things that make you fight? Well, because of my Christian liberty. You know, she has a problem with certain Christian liberties. Well, what, what, what kind of Christian liberty? Well, you know, just... Christian liberty, you know, some of the things that I'm allowed to do in, in the Christian life. And you shouldn't be able to critique those things. Well, well, well run me through in a scenario. What, what does it look like there? Well, you know, sometimes I come home from work and a lot of times I come home and I, I like to have a little shot of wild turkey. And, uh, and then for the rest of the night, I just drink like a 12-pack of beer until I go to sleep. And, uh, you know, so she has an issue with that. So then he tried to move on from that to another subject. He said, wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Let's deal with this for a minute here. Uh, so you, okay, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the, you know, the one who knows everything about drinking, but I, I, I've drunk a time or two in my life. And, and I would say this guy's drunk, <laughs> right? You're drinking until you pass out. You're drunk. And so he tells him, he says, What's on? Let, let's deal with this issue of drunkenness. And he goes, wait a minute, I, didn't, I never said I was drunk, man. I never said that. So, yeah, it, it does sound like, wait a minute, wait, you're starting to sound like my wife. <laughs> and so this guy, he just, he just, the pastor's like, you can't believe this guy, you know. So he gets on the phone right away, he calls a friend of you. You can't believe how deluded this guy is. I mean, this guy was able to think very Deeply about theological things, right? The impeccability of Christ, you know, soteriology. All of these big, fancy words. He was able to deep think, think deeply about those things, right? But yet he couldn't see his own sin. 
In fact, he denied it. And where are we in that picture? All of us come to Christ because we think we can, he can give us what we want. Which the, I think the leper in that first story shows us. You know, the leper comes, he gets what he wants, he's gone. And he disobeys what Jesus tells him. He didn't see his deeper need. But God desires to go deeper. Here's what one author says. The main problem in your life is not what's happened to you. The main problem is your, in your life is not what's happened to you. Not what people have done to you. Your main problem is the way you have responded to that. But ironically, that's empowering to you if that's true. Why? Because you can't do very much about what's happened to you about others. Right? can't do very much about what's happened to you or about what others are doing to you, but you can do something about yourself. When the Bible talks about sin, it's not just referring to the bad things we do. It's not just lying or lusting or whatever. Whatever the case may be, it's ignoring God in a world that He has made. It's rebellion. It's rebelling against him by living without reference to him. It's saying, I will decide exactly how my life is lived. And Jesus says, That's your main problem. Ouch. You see, what is the struggle? that you have right now. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's the future. Maybe it's what is it that you can't control in your life that's giving you issues? You may feel it that in this moment you can't truly be happy. What if Jesus came into that struggle right now and took it away? Gone. Now how's your life? Pretty good. Well, wait a month. Wait four months. Because that happiness will wear off. The roots of the discontent of the human heart go deep. Deeper. Than you can see. Only God can cure the discontentment of the human heart. Only God can do that. Only God can do it. So hard to believe that, though. Right? When you're in the middle of it. That's why, that's why pain is something that is to show you that God is real. That that pain says, come to me in repentance and faith. That even in the midst of pain, you can have the joy of life. To rejoice at all times in the midst of those things. God, is that possible? Yes, it absolutely is. 
It absolutely is. Because the contentment is with God himself. Look. Psalm 63. Ah, you got to love the Psalms, man. David speaking. David, the, the lover of God. Yet the great sinner. Oh, God. You are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land. Where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary. Beholding your power, your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with the fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help in the shadow of your wings. I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. The right hand of God is the Lord Jesus Christ who upholds us, who gives us all that we need in life. I pray that you would make this your daily prayer, that you would see your need of cleansing for the ultimate cleansing in coming to God, but a continual cleansing, need of repentance, Need of faith, need of trust that only God can clean. Only God can give you a life worth living. Let's pray. God, Almighty, I pray that you would transform our hearts, Lord, this morning. Help us to see, Lord, the deeper need inside that, Lord, it's not their fault over there or his fault or her fault that I'm in this situation. Or if you would just fix something for me, God, my life would be so much better. But no, God, help us to see that in the midst of that, you are saying to us, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Rest for your weary soul. Peace, joy, love beyond your comprehension. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would do the work in our hearts by the power of your spirit, Lord. Help us trust you this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.